Backhanded by Quas. Throw home. Martier return throw to first double play. And the Terps get out of the inning. And Wade crushes one pretty deep to right. Going back is McCarthy near the wall. Looking up. See ya. Off the scoreboard in right. Lamont Wade with a solo jack. And the Terps take a 4-3 lead. Papio takes his lead. Gallant to the stretch for the first time. And Martier crushes one deep to left center. Going back is the left fielder, Jordan. And he's going to watch it go. Cue the fireworks. Martier goes yard. And the Terps cut it to 3-2. To Brandon Loud does a hook slide to score. Wade head first into second. Terrapins all over the turf. And Maryland has a 6-2 lead. Here's the 2-0. That one is crushed. Deep to left field, Stewart on his horse at the warning track. He jumps and that ball is gone. A two-run bomb from Jose Quas, and the Terps take a two-to-one lead on the number two team in the nation. And Wade cracks one deep to right again, going back with McCarthy near the wall, looking up. It's gone. Lamont Wade with a multi-home run game. He goes deep to right again, and it's seven to four Terps. And the Terps have tied the game. They have come back from five runs down here in the top of the seventh. And the Terrapin magic continues. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the first ever Maryland baseball podcast. I'm John Vitas, live here on Mixler.com. And we have all sorts of great things in store for you this season. If you're a Maryland Terrapins baseball fan, get excited because this team is locked in, locked in and ready to go for another major run towards the postseason. Ranked as high as number 14 there in just about every preseason poll and we'll be with you all season here on the Maryland Baseball Network to bring you all the action from first pitch on Friday against Western Kentucky all the way until the end and who knows where it's going to end. This team is ready to go. And they could go deep into the postseason if all things break their way. So in case you're wondering what this is, the Maryland Baseball Network is brand new this season. We'll bring you over 40 games for the Terps, all the home games and some road games as well. And like we said, we'll take you all the way until the Terps are eventually knocked out, hopefully never knocked out. But as long as the season goes, we'll be alongside with the Terrapins. And if you haven't checked it out yet, be sure to look at our website. It's pretty simple, the MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. That's MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. It's up and running. It's been up for about two weeks now. We have a whole bunch of tabs, and they'll start to fill up as the season goes along. We're going to have game recaps of every Maryland Terrapin game. We have a news and features tab. That'll be all the breaking news and some feature stories we'll be writing on the team as well. We'll have opponent breakdowns, so be sure to check the website before games and you can learn about the team that Maryland will be playing. And right now you can go check out our broadcast schedule. That's subject to change, but right now over 40 games on our broadcast schedule. And there's also a tab to learn a little bit more about the broadcasters. We have a five-man broadcast team. We have a few writers and, and online people that will be helping us out as well. And today we have Phil DePays joining us here on the Maryland Baseball Podcast, the first of many. We'll be doing this every Sunday night. It'll be posted every Monday on the website, but you can always catch it live around 8 o'clock on Sunday nights. So we managed to push it back at times, but 8 o'clock for now. And uh, we're joined now with Phil DePays, the manager of the Maryland baseball team. And Phil, welcome in. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. Uh, I just wanted to start out by saying this network is uh, awesome. The fact that you're having pl- current players and, more importantly, for- former players like Charlie White contribute here just makes us a real asset. And 
uh, I can't wait to see this network take off and see what it could do. Well, so far so good, Phil. It's been going according to plan. Everything's on track. You mentioned Charlie White. We have a really neat Q&A with him on the website now. That came yes, up yes. yesterday. That's a must-read, and Charlie was kind enough to to write pretty long answers to us about his time at Maryland and now his time in the pros as well. We also have some video content that will be put up over the course of the week. There's currently an interview with Lamont Wade on the website, and we'll have many more debuting over the course of the week, and it's exciting. First week of the season, Maryland has four games coming up, and I know Phil and I will be down in Myrtle Beach this weekend for those games, and Phil, you've been around the team for throughout the fall, throughout the winter. Um, you're as close to the players and the coaches as anyone. What's the mood been coming off a very historic season? Uh, I think the best way to describe it is confident, but not cocky. We know that we have the talent. We know that there, there's, we definitely have the ability to do special things this year. Uh, but we know that we have to work hard. We know that uh, it's not going to be easy. We're going to have rough patches, but we're going to do our best, and we're going to come out and try and dominate every single team out there. So it would be confident, but not cocky. And that's a key because the team was one game away from the College World Series a year ago, so there's a reason to be confident if you're the Terps. Now, this is a coaching staff that's in their third year. John Sheff is at the helm, but the assistants are very valuable as well. Yes, and yes. They've all come in together, and, and it's it's not surprising when you get to know the coaches that they've had success. Oh, but when oh, you not at all. When you consider that over the course of the last 50-plus years here in College Park, there's been a lot of great coaches that come through, and they mm -hmm. haven't been able to sustain this mm -hmm. level of success. In your mind, why is this staff uh, on another level? Uh, well, we'll start just before we get to this staff. We're going to mention last last staff that was here was Eric Baggage. He brought in incredible recruits. Our junior class this year is very, very good. But the reason that this staff is done so, so well is because, one, John Chef brings a blue-collar approach to everything that we do. Uh, there's no, no taking it easy, no, no days off. It's just blue-collar with everything we do. Also, from a recruiting side, both of that, all of them are very, very good recruiters. They sell Maryland better than anyone else. And they, that's how we get top talent, like Mike Shawarn, like Nick Sierra, like uh, Willie Rios, like Justin Morris, all of them to come to Maryland. And those are just some of just the names. Some, obviously, we have many more recruits, very, very talented. Uh, those are just some of the names that, that are out there that, that come to Maryland. You mentioned the ace, Mike Shawarn. He'll be joining oh, us a little bit yes, later in yes, the broadcast. So stay tuned for that. We'll have Mike live on the show. Um, but he's leading a pitching staff that is expected to – Dominate, I guess, would, wouldn't be an very, understatement. Yeah, um, very, very deep, very, very talented. And they were in the middle of the pack in the ACC, but that was one of the best pitching conferences in the country last right. year. They're expected to be at the top of the conference this year now. A lot of decisions for Coach Jim Bellinger to make yes. in the offseason. So many arms, like you said. The weekend starters' jobs were a little bit up in the air. Taylor Styles, Jake Drossner won the, the spots behind um, Mike Shawarn, but there's still a lot to be decided as far right. as the midweek oh, starter's I, job I and, so. and roles in the bullpen. Now, what are your thoughts on Styles and Drosner getting those roles and, and the way things are starting to shape up? I mean, not everybody, no one really knows exactly where people are going to end right. up, but right. what, what is your take on all this competition and where guys are, are seemingly ending up? Um, well, I think first off, we have a very good problem on our hands since we have so much talent. Um, I think with, with both Styles and... Uh, and Drosner, both returning guys, so no freshmen right now in the weekend rotation. Um, you know, Drosner has a, has a lot of really, really good stuff. Styles throws a lot of strikes. You know, there's a lot to like with, with both of them, but there's also uh, pitchers behind them for, like, our midweek starters that could easily, very easily jump up into our, our weekend rotation. P people like 
freshman uh, uh, Brian Schaefer. You have Zach Morris, a returning guy. You have uh, Taylor Bloom. Taylor, is a freshman. Blo- Taylor Bloom's a freshman. Very, very good. There's a lot of talent. A lot, a lot that we're going to figure out over the course this year. But uh, a lot of talent out there, and it's going to be fun to watch. Well, at this point, we're going to welcome in the third member of our podcast team today. John Lewis will be doing a lot of analysis and color commentary on the broadcast this season, and he joins us now from Baltimore. John, can you hear us? Uh, Yes, sir. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Good. Happy to have you on. You heard Phil's take on the pitching staff. Uh, What's your take on how the roles are starting to shape up? First off, very honored to be here. Really like what you're doing with this uh, Maryland Baseball Network. I'm just honored to be a part of it. I think uh, big things in the future. Uh, Pitching staff. Obviously, you got your Friday night guy, Mike Shawarin. Uh, we talked about him for a while, just coming in as a true freshman and dominating the ACC. Now we're moving over to the Big Ten. Expect a, a nice jump in numbers. Uh, I like Drosner. Drosner's got plus stuff left from the left-handed side. As long as he throws the ball down in the zone, he'll be fine. He's got a real nice off-speed pitch, nice curveball. Uh, Styles just counts the strike zone. Not gonna, not gonna overpower you, but throws hard enough, and uh, really just pounds his own. I like Ruse as a weekday guy, maybe sneaking in, getting some Sunday starts. To see, uh, also like uh, Zach Morris, who is the, the Friday night starter for Cincinnati, his true freshman year before transferring back to his home state. Now playing with his brother, guy throws 90 plus from the left hand side, and he's being considered as a, a midweek guy. So it shows that there's just plenty of plus-plus arms on the staff this year. And, John, there's a lot of arms, like you said. You mentioned some of the midweek options in Schaefer and, and Morris and Ruse might eventually get some starts in the midweek, too. The thing about the schedule this year, you really only need one midweek starter because right. the only week where you have two games scheduled is at Elon. They have a two-game series in the midweek there. But barring any rainouts, we might only need one midweek starter. So if you guys, of course, Coach Bellinger has the say, and he does a great job with right. the decisions. But if, if you guys had to place a guy in the fourth starter spot and the bullpen, is it Schaefer? Is it Morris? Is it Ruse? Is it somebody else? Phil, you go first. I say Schaefer. I'm a big, big fan of Brian Schaefer. Brian Schaefer throws, is just a strike-throwing machine. We see it with Bobby Ruse a lot. You see it a little bit uh, just with the amount of strikes that they throw, plus good, good stuff, 90-plus 90, 90 fastball, pretty good slider. All right, change up. Um, so that's why my pick would be Brian Schaefer in that role. John? I uh, have not seen Schaefer pitch this fall, but just based on experience, based on pedigree and resume, without a doubt, Bobby Roos. Uh, kid just pounds his own, doesn't walk anyone, has control of three pitches. We saw him pitch last weekend. He was throwing like a, a little slide piece for the, for the first time. I've sit behind home plate watching that. that. That looked real nice. Nice downward motion on it. Kid just pounds his own. I don't see any reason why, as a, as a senior, guy who's been there for four years, he deserves it. Now, uh, I think the fourth option, without a doubt. And then, ideally, pitch in relief on uh, on the weekends. And the problem is, there's only one midweek starters job, so the bullpen's going to be very crowded. Zach Morris has already had some experience pitching in relief in the inter-squad games, which we've all attended. So he might be ticketed for the bullpen, and that just kind of shows how far the program has really come along, where Zach was a guy who John mentioned was a, was an ace for a Big East team. He's pitched in the rotation for Maryland, and now he's pushed into the bullpen. I'm sure he'll have an important role, and he's going to be very valuable in the bullpen, but it just kind of shows how much competition there is on this pitching staff. Now, three guys who I always kind of lump together are Jake Drosner, Jared Price, and Alex Robinson. 
for the, for the first reason because they're all part of the same recruiting class. They're all juniors now. They all throw unbelievably hard, mid-90s for all three <laughs> yeah. of them. Um, but they've all had mixed results. Some of them have struggled with control. Really, all of them have struggled with control at times. Um, Drossner will be in the weekend rotation. Robinson will likely be the setup man. And Price is battling back from an injury. But we talked about the depth. To you guys, how crucial are those three guys in the success this year? Oh, absolutely crucial. That's uh, probably Maryland's best strength is is their is their bullpen because uh, the power arms of Price, A. Rob, and then Mooney as our closer. Um, for us to be successful, they need to throw uh, very. They need to throw strikes more than anything because they have the stuff. They have the stuff. It's just whether they're gonna get batters out based on uh, throwing strikes or not. Um, you know, obviously, all three of them come in very uh, highly touted. Uh, Robinson named the top prospect in the New England Collegiate Baseball League over the summer. Impressed a lot of scouts there. Uh, probably Maryland's best draft prospect as of right now. But the, all three of them are going to play a huge role in the Maryland success this year. John? Yeah, uh, these three guys couldn't be more important this year than ever. You don't have your backbone in Stinnett anymore. Obviously, now drafted in the uh, supplemental round, so you need Drosner to step up, be that be that strong two on Saturdays. As long as he throws strikes, he'll be fine, like Phil alluded to. Robinson is uh, probably has, the, has without a doubt has the most electric stuff on the team. Going to be a very high draft for draft pick this year. Can throw up to 96 miles an hour from the left-handed side. You don't see that every day. They don't grow on trees. So, again, as long as he throws strikes, he'll be successful. And we really need him to with him and Mooney just really locking down that bullpen. And uh, Price, Price is an, is, is an anomaly. Kid's got the best stuff from the right-hand side on the squad. Uh, if he can just harness it and throw strikes, again, you know, same team here. As long as he throws strikes, keeps the ball down in the zone, and throws that unbelievable 12-6 curveball he has. It could be dynamite this year. It could really, really help this propel this squad. Well, while the roles are certainly up in the air for those guys and a lot of the freshmen as well, one guy whose role is not up in the air is Kevin Mooney, who will be the closer yes. yet again for Maryland. Mooney's coming off a big year where he broke the single-season saves record. We got a chance to go to practice on Friday, or the interest squad, I should say, and we got to conduct a number of interviews um, we're going to play one for you right now. This is Kevin Mooney with the Maryland Baseball Network's Jake Eisenberg. Right. I'm Jake Eisenberg alongside Kevin Mooney before the uh, 2015 season. Now, Kevin, last year in uh, late May, you came in in a tight spot against South Carolina, got out of a jam to sealed game two of the Columbia Regional. And uh, this season, you head to the Big Ten, and you're competing against a team like the Gamecocks, obviously a big situation. Now you're moving to the Big Ten. What's it like? Uh, competing as a top team like them, and then what do you expect for your opponents in your new conference? Oh well, you know we we knew going into coastal or uh, excuse me South Carolina that you know they had the they had the huge postseason win streak going, and they were going to get 10, 12, 14,000 fans, and it was it was definitely a great environment. We knew they were a fantastic team. Uh, we had to be we had to be at our best every moment of the game. We had to be locked in, um, and then in terms of this season, you know. Um, from what we've heard, the, the, the teams aren't as good in the Big Ten, but, you know, we're definitely not going to roll in their light. You know, we're going to play them just like they're, you know, the number one teams in the country. And we're just going to go and we're going to bring our all, and, and hopefully hopefully we can have the same outcome as we had in South Carolina. Uh, last season, you also tied Toronto Blue Jays pitcher Brett Cecil for a single-season record of 13 saves, and you've averaged 11 saves over your past two seasons. How do you maintain 
that success moving towards 2015? Uh, well, I've, I've just been trying to keep doing the same things over the past couple of years. Um, I'm trying not to change too much, just sticking with the basics. Um, and, you know, it really just comes down to doing the same things out on the mound, um, staying consistent, keeping consistent, just pounding the zone, um, and just, just trying to help the team out at the back end and just seal up some wins. Now, lastly, Kevin, those 13 saves brought you to 22 for your career, which is uh, one behind Brett Cecil again for the career saves record here in Maryland. What would it mean to you to potentially break and, of course, claim that record in your junior season? Oh, that, I mean, that would be a fantastic feeling. I think Brett's actually coming back down this weekend, so I'll get a chance to talk to him. Um, and hopefully, hopefully we'll see him throughout the season. But I think that would that'd be a great thing, and I'd, I'd be honored to be able to be up with, in terms of him, you know, he's obviously a fantastic major league closer, and just to be in the same, same realm as him is a, is a great honor for me. All right, Kevin, thank you very much, and uh, good luck this season. All right, thank you. So that was Jake Eisenberg with Kevin Mooney on Friday. He was referring to yesterday. Uh, Brett Cecil was at practice yes. yesterday. You got a chance to see him, Phil. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously those two able to share some words because Kevin already broke his single season record. He's about <laughs> yeah. to break his his career record, which could come this weekend. That's why we wanted to bring that up. You know, four games this weekend, Kevin should get at least one save yes. to at least tie the record he's won behind heading into the air. We're going to play one more interview for you. Uh, we talked to four different players. This one's already on the website with Lamont Wade, um, but Jake got a chance to talk to him too. And it's an important interview because Lamont's obviously a key part of the lineup, but he's also changing positions, a very odd transition from first base to center field. I'm Jake Eisenberg here with Maryland center fielder Lamont Wade. Lamont, how are you doing? Good, how are you? First and foremost, you're undergoing a position change this season. What's it like moving from first base to center field? Uh, it's, it's definitely different. Uh, nothing I'm not used to. I played uh, every year in summer ball, I played outfield. But uh, in high school, I played center field too. So it's not too much of a big of a difference. Is there a different kind of preparation that goes in before games with the position change? Uh, definitely, just getting used to the guys out there. and uh, We take a lot more fly balls, something I haven't been taking in a while since I've been here. But... Uh, it's, it's been fun. Now, last year in the two slot, you actually set a single-season record with 17 sacrifice bunts, hitting a lot behind uh, Charlie White. Now, taking over his position in center field, how do you see your role on the team offensively changing? Um, not too different. Um, I'll probably still be in the two spot, but uh, maybe not as many sack bunts, but not, it's not going to change too much. And that's not the only change coming this season. Your brother is playing with the Terrapins now, Jamal. What's it like playing with him here? Oh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we played together one year at St. Paul's, but uh, definitely be on this level, play at this level with my brothers. Something special. And I understand that, too, you play a lot of ping pong in your spare time. Who usually comes out on top? Uh, I come out on top right there. That's me. That's all me. All right, Lamont. Good luck this season, and thanks for your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, again, that was NBN's Jake Eisenberg with Lamont Wade and a little humor there at the yeah, end. yeah. But it's an important position, center field, and yes. of course the biggest concern going into the year for the Terps is their defense up the middle, losing Charlie White and Blake Schmidt. They're, most of the rest of the lineup remains intact, um, but losing guys like that, especially with their defense in White and Schmidt, is huge, and Lamont's going to go to play center field. He's a great athlete, and now yes. we're going to bring John back in as well. Um, First of all, guys, are you worried at all about Wade in center field for the first time and since since he's been in high school? No, no, not at all. I I mean, he's got a much he's got a cannon for an arm, so much better than Charlie White's was. Charlie White obviously best best attribute was his defense that he could track down pretty much anything hit out there in center field. Uh, Monty may not get as good as Reed's, but is incredibly insanely athletic and tracks down almost the same amount of stuff. I have no concerns with Monty Wade playing center field at all. Yeah, I think he's looked good. John, are you there? Yes, sir. Uh, Wade's a freak athlete, very, very good. One of these uh, fast-switch athlete kind of guys. Uh, the only 
bad thing about him moving to center field is you don't have his stellar defense plus plus defense at first base. Uh, I think he'll be fine out there. Quick, I'm sure he gets good jumps. He said he mentioned that he plays. Uh, he's played the outfield in summer ball in the Cal Ripken League. I have no issues with it. I think he'll do a great job out there. You mentioned first base, and that's something that is uh, very much up in the air right now. The Terps. We mentioned the, how Wade's filling the center field void, but that leaves a void at first base. And, of course, we mentioned Blake Schmidt leaving, so that leaves a spot available at shortstop. There is a lot of talent that's come into College Park at those two positions. Of course, the coaches recruiting those two positions because they knew they'd have holes there. And there's three guys that can catch now as well. Kevin Martier, of course, returns as a starting catcher. But Nick Sieri, and now this year, Justin Morris, who is a blue-chip prospect, comes into College Park, and they're both catchers by trade but have made the adjustment to first base. And then you have two shortstop prospects in Andrew Bechtold and Kevin Smith, who both can swing the bat, who are both great defenders at shortstop and are competing for that job. But now they've entered the first base mix because the coaches just want their bats in the lineup as much as they can get, get them in the lineup. And then Matt Onifree, who is a redshirt freshman, has also played very, very well throughout the offseason. So you're looking at about eight guys. There's another guy, Kevin Biondic, who's also a true freshman who can play first base. You're looking at about eight guys for three spots in the diamond, and then, of course, the DH spot comes in handy as well in this situation. Now, we don't know where these guys are going to end up on opening day. I think the competition will probably continue throughout the season and maybe even into next year. But, Phil, you've been around practice more than John and I have. Mm-hmm. What is your feeling about whether where they're going to go, or what kind of direction they're going to go in at those positions, and and this is a pretty big problem, but a good problem. <laughs> As you say, first off, it's a good problem. Second off, uh, any any combination of all these people that we can put out there, I'm very confident that we're going to do just fine. All of them are incredibly talented, and all of them, I, I feel, are going to do very, very well this year. Um, as to who's playing each position, I can't really give you anything that you guys don't know. It's just incredibly, incredibly uh, close competition, and... I could see a number of different lineups out there. I don't even know if it's going to come down to defense because a lot of these guys aren't necessarily the best defender at first base, but all three guys that can catch are good catchers, and Beck, Tolden, right. Smith, like we said, can pick it mm-hmm. at shortstop. So to me, it's really going to come down to the bats. It almost sounds like, to me, we might be seeing not necessarily a straight platoon, but we might see Sierra a little bit behind the plate to complement Martier, and then you might see Morris and Beck, Tolden potentially platooning at yes. first base and yes. maybe Onifree was sprinkled in too. Um, so it gets complicated. John, obviously, we like we said, we don't know how it's going to end up. It's going to change a lot. But if you're coaching this team, who do you like at these positions and why? A great question. Uh, behind the dish, Kevin Martier, no questions asked. He's been there, done it for two years. Very good defensive catcher. Has the trust of the pitching staff, which is extremely important. Not to say that the other guys don't. But he's been doing it for two years. He's the season vet. Guy hits line drives, sprays it all across the field. One of the most consistent hitters on the squad. Uh, so he's definitely starting behind the dish. I like Morris. I think Morris is going to get some time both behind the dish and at first. I think Sierra's going to get a lot of that bats at the DH slot. Probably play a little first, maybe catch a little bit. We'll see. Uh, Onifree is a good hitter as well. So that's. DH, vying for some DH at bats, maybe you know, a spot, a, a, a start here or there at first base. He might actually end up being the starting first baseman. Who knows? Uh, shortstop, Bechtold is uh, he's the real deal. Drafted out of high school, uh, Garnett Valley. Shout out to Paul Becker. 
yeah, I think he's going to probably get the nod at short. I think Smith is also very, very good. He might actually transition over to first base, like you mentioned, get some ABs. I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out. I, it, I could see Onifre getting the nod at first. I could see Smith getting the nod at first. I could see Justin Moore starting at first. I think Sierra's definitely gonna be the DH, and I think Mark uh, obviously Martier's gonna be behind the dish. And I think Bechtel's your starting shortstop. Oh, it's some bold predictions there from John. <laughs> I mean, no one knows. I don't even know if the coaches know quite yet. Uh, I think the key, as far as looking at it from 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 a wider perspective, the key to me is to not lose any of these guys because. You guys are going to go into slumps, um, both offensively and defensively, and you're going to want to shuffle guys around. And I think every, everyone we've mentioned, I think, is going to get a fair amount of at bats this season. Yes. The key, if you're John Chef, is to not bury any of these guys on the bench. You want you want their heads to be with the team and, and ready to go whenever their bats called upon. We might see a lot of pinch hitters this year for yeah. the Terps, lefty righty type scenarios, because you have the personnel to do that. We're going to step aside for a couple minutes here on the Maryland Baseball Podcast. We'll take a break for about two minutes, and when we come back, we'll hear from John Sheff. We have a an exclusive set-down interview with the Maryland head coach. We'll hear a little bit of that, and then right after that, we'll be live with the Maryland ace, Mike Shawarin, will join us on the Maryland Baseball Podcast when we return.
John Venus welcoming you back in live to the first ever Maryland Baseball Podcast here on the Maryland Baseball Network. We have some exciting content coming up over the course of the next week. We mentioned some of the stuff we've already done on MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. You can go and check it out. Follow us on Twitter at, at @MDBaseballNet. Feel free to engage us there as well as on our Mixler Live page. Feel free to shoot us any questions you might be wondering if you're listening at home. And our exclusive interviews are coming out Tuesday and Wednesday with Coach John Sheff and the associate head coach slash pitching coach, Jim Bellinger. Um, the Sheff interview will come out Tuesday. Coach Bellinger's interview will come out on Wednesday. They were very candid with us, very kind to sit down for a good amount of time and talk things over with us. I think John Sheff's interview was close to 15 minutes long. We're going to play a little snippet of it here for you just to give you a little preview and give you an idea of what Coach Sheff is thinking heading into the season. Uh, so here's a little sneak peek of our sit-down interview with Maryland head coach John Sheff. 61 years in the ACC. The, the change for the university is a very big one. Uh, I know yep. you have a lot of ACC ties. Yeah. I'm going to miss the Chick-fil-A and the Bojangles and all the stuff that comes with the Mid-Atlantic. So, yeah. But what are you going to miss most about, about your time in the ACC? Um, I probably just the relationships, you know, like I, I, I consider a lot of those coaching staffs, are, you know, we have a lot of friends in, in that conference. And I respect those guys, you know, they, they have very good programs and they, they built them and they have, there's a lot of tradition there. Um, and it's just a great, great college baseball conference. I mean, th that and, and the competition part of it, I mean, I mean, who wouldn't miss that being a baseball coach? So. And I mean, I know the Big Ten will have very similar, um, uh, similar competitions. Similar, will develop similar friendships there. So I'm not worried about that. But I mean, if I were to answer that question, that's what it would be. I think. Speaking of the Big Ten, now you head into a completely new conference, fresh batch of teams and players to scout and all that. Yep. What's your biggest concern? Um. I'd say I don't really have like a really big concern. My my only thing I, that is a little different is is going to be going to different places, kind of going in what would, what you would call uncharted waters. So when you're going to places like Michigan and Purdue and Northwestern, um, Ohio State, you know they're good. Those guys are good. I mean, and, uh, anytime you're going to play at a new place, you're, you're still trying to feel your way through it as far as how the park plays. Um, just the, you know, where you're staying around, it, you know, how how everything goes there, you know. And I'd be kind of interested to see how, you know, how we kind of get treated and in moving into that conference by everybody in general. Uh, not really so much the Big Ten people, but the programs and the umpires and all, all that kind of stuff, you know. So that was our exclusive sit-down interview with Maryland coach John Sheff. You can catch the full version of that on MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. On Tuesday, Phil, what is your takeaway with what you heard from Coach Chef there? Oh, you know, uh, Coach Chef is, is an awesome guy. He, uh, I said earlier, brings a blue-collar approach to our, our, our team, and I'm sure whatever he does, it's going to be successful for us. Well, now it's time for the fun part of the Maryland Baseball Podcast. We're going to bring in the ace of the pitching staff, Mike Shawarin. Mike, are you with us? Hey, John. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. We appreciate you joining us tonight. You're live with me and Phil. Yeah, no problem, man. I really appreciate uh, you guys reaching out to me. Pleasure and an honor. Well, we're glad you're on. So, first question. First of all, how are you feeling? How's the off season gone for you physically? And uh, how are you, how are you uh, feeling going into your first start on Friday? Um, I'm feeling good. I mean, uh, off season has uh, treated me well. 
Um, you know, I worked on a few things, uh, come back to, you know, kind of improve my game um, here and there. And, um, you know, going into Friday, um, I'm excited, you know, to get the ball, um, you know, for the first game of the Maryland season. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to get this ball rolling. It's, it's, it's been a long off season, but, um, you know, it, it, the first game's quickly approaching. Um, but, you know, we, we can't be more excited for it. So It's been a long off season, but definitely a fun one, obviously, coming off a great season last year. You guys kind of embraced yeah. that, that blue-collar mentality, that underdog mentality, but it's different this year. You guys are ranked in almost every poll as high as number 14. What's the difference mm-hmm. like uh, from a mentality perspective and, and, and just, you know, a mental perspective of having that target on your back? Yeah, I mean, um, it's definitely different. Uh, you know, last year we played the role of um, Hunter, and now we're kind of the hunted. Um, but to be honest with you, our mentality hasn't changed because, you know, um, yeah, we are ranked, but we aren't, you know, where we want to be. Um, and, and that's at the end of the year, be ranked number one and, you know, finish thing, this thing off right. So, um, you know, we still have that same mentality as, you know, the hunter because we're still going after our goals, um, you know, and as a Big Ten championship and, you know, hopefully, you know, making it to Omaha and, you know, raising a trophy and, um, you know, and, and those things kind of humble us and, you know, make us, um, you know, more focused on, what we need to do to accomplish those goals. Mike, thanks for coming on. Uh, I think what a lot of yeah. us are asking or wondering, actually, mm-hmm. is uh, last year you got to play with Jake Sinet. Um, yeah. You know, for those of you that don't know, Jake Sinet was last was Maryland's Friday night starter last year, uh, drafted very high in last year's amateur draft. Uh, could you just talk about, uh, one, how Sinet helped you transition from high school to college, and, two, what mm-hmm. leadership aspects – he taught you because now you're obviously a Friday night starter for us and uh, mm-hmm. the leader of this team. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Jake was, uh, was, was great. I mean, um, you know, I'm, I miss him this year. Um, you know, he, he's such a, such a powerful player, um, you know, just not his physical aspects, but the leadership that he brought to the team and his knowledge about the game. And, you know, um, he, he, he helped me really transition from high school into college, um, you know, physically just kind of, you know, helped me prepare for the season and, you know, knowing and helping me out with, you know, the little things like, you know, um, you know, how we travel and, you know, what we need to bring to like everyday stuff as in like, you gotta, you gotta come ready to play and, um, you know, and that side of things and, and leadership wise, I mean, um, there's so much that I, I learned from, from Jake I and mean, he, he was a great guy to come in. Um, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for you know a better situation. You know, coming in and being the number two behind Jake. Um, you know, he, he was such a he was such a uh, stalwart on, on Friday nights. You know, he, he taught me how to kind of you know watching him and, and charting his uh, games on Friday nights. I really learned how to uh, you know deal with adversity. I mean, he, he he pitched against some big time programs. You know, you know against their number ones. Um, and and I think the biggest thing he taught me was you know you. you you're going to face adversity throughout the season and, you know, you can do one or two things and one, you can let the adversity, um, you know, kind of, you know, make you who you are or you can, you can look at the adversity in the eyes and overcome it. Um, and, and that, from that side of things, I mean, he, you know, um, just, just being able to play with, play with that guy was, was awesome. Um, you know, he, he's truly missed in the clubhouse, but, uh, you know, he's, he's on to bigger and better things and we wish him all luck. Yeah, he's been drafted by the Cubs second round. Now, you guys together, the Shawarn and, and Stinnett combo last year, broke a few mm-hmm. records for the Terps. 
Jake broke the strikeout in the innings pitch single season records. You got one of your own, 11 wins. Two of them came against Florida State, who was ranked. You broke the school record pretty handily. Is that something that you knew was going on over the course of the season, or was it kind of like you let the dust settle at the end and you looked up and you say, oh, I broke a record? Yeah, I mean, um, it, was, it definitely wasn't in uh, you know my sights at the start of the season. You know, I, I'm kind of a game-by-game type guy, you know, just um, you know, worried about winning the next game. And uh, once I started getting closer to that mark, uh, you know, I was like, wow, you know, this, you know, I said this could happen. Um, and, and I was definitely going to do everything in, in, in my ability to try and uh, break the record. And uh, I, I thankfully I was. And, you know, as much as it was me, it was the teammate team behind me. I mean, they did, they, uh, you know, without them, I couldn't have won those, you know, those games. But, uh, yeah, it was kind of like one of those things um, you look back at and you're like, oh, wow. Um, you know, I, I broke the record, but uh, you know, it, it's definitely a humbling thing to be be a part of, and it's pretty neat to you know be be in the uh, history book or the rest of the record books. But um, it was it was um, it kind of snuck up on me. You know, I, I I was kind of focused on the just you know having a good first you know start at Florida, and then next thing you know, eleven wins later, and you know we're we're sitting at uh, Virginia in the Super Regional, so. It, uh, it, it goes by quick, but it's, uh, it's a fun run. Let's transition now to this year. There, are, There is a huge freshman class coming into College Park, some, mm-hmm. red, some redshirt freshmen as well. Real quick, yeah. when, you got to, when you got back to College Park in the fall, who jumped out to you out of all the freshmen, at least physically or talent-wise, that you said, wow, this guy can be something special? Maybe not even this year, but in the long run. Yeah, I mean, um, definitely, like you guys were saying before, uh, Brian Schaefer, I mean, He's uh, he's going to be a dude to watch, uh, you know, this year and in in years to come. And also, um, Zach Morris, his younger brother, Justin Morris. Um, you know, both of those guys are are, are really kind of uh, anchoring down this freshman class. Um, you know, along with Kevin Smith and Andrew Beckfield. I mean, there's you you, look, you go across the board with this uh, freshman class, and there, there's a lot of names that jump out to you. And, you know, some of them even you forget because it's such a good class, and they're so mature that you know. Um, you, you don't really think of them as freshmen, but uh, it, it's a good problem, you know. I mean, um, to have such a good class coming in, it's good for our future, and, you know, it's good for us now. So. Mike, last year you pitched in the ACC, had a tremendous mm-hmm. year. This year, pitching mm-hmm. in the Big Ten. The Big Ten is generally considered a weaker conference. Uh, I just wanted yeah. your thought on uh, the, the switch in general and if it changes mm-hmm. anything to your approach and your preparation or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I've heard I've heard that the Big Ten, you know, apparently isn't as good. But um, you know, for me, I don't, I don't really think about you know the opponent only to kind of like get their scouting report. You know, every game is you got to trust yourself first before you can you know think about your opponent. Because if you don't trust up, you know, if you don't trust yourself in the pitches that you throw, um, it, it, you know, it doesn't really matter who you're playing. You're not going to be confident, in, you know, what you're doing. So. Um, you know, really for the for the preparation for this year, it really hasn't changed. I mean, um, the only thing that really has changed is to, you know, kind of have a better year than last year, um, kind of work off of last year's success and, you know, keep it rolling for this year. Um, but there isn't really uh, much of a, uh, you know, mentality or or work ethic change. You know, you know every game is a, is a baseball game, and, you know, baseball is such a crazy sport, you know. You can't really take any teams for granted. You got to go out and you know um, play as hard as you can every day. 
And, uh, you know, if, if that results in a 12-0 win, then it's a win. And if it results in a one nothing win, it's a win. So, you know, um, at the end of the day, it's, it's the results that matter. It's not really who you play. Well, you guys have your first game in less than five days. You'll be making the start against Western Kentucky down in Myrtle Beach. We'll be there to bring the broadcast um, to all the fans. Now, you hear Western Kentucky, you don't really get too worried, but you uh, started looking these guys up a little bit. They were top five in the Sun Belt in almost every offensive category last year. They batted yeah. they batted 307 in conference play, a team slugging percentage of 411. They don't strike out much. They returned six starters. So this is a pretty big challenge for you on opening day. You had, yeah. to, you had to face the Florida Gators last year on opening day, and you went out and won, you won the game as a true freshman. How much do you like an early challenge, and, and how much do you actually know about the Hilltoppers? Um, well, we haven't we haven't really, um, you know, this this being our game week, we haven't really delved really too deep into Western Kentucky yet. But um, you know, I, I can tell you this: that we're uh, we're ready to get the ball rolling on Friday, and we're going to give them everything we got. So um, you know, I, I know you guys are saying that we're we're looking to dominate every opponent, and I can tell you from from you know coming from me, we we. That is our mentality is to dominate every opponent that we, you know, we're going to face. But, uh, you know, we, uh, we're kind of – the challenges early in the year, um, you know, whether you win or lose, you know, it helps you for the end of the season. Because, you know, Bellinger always tells us this, you know, you're not going to – you don't want to be at your best, you know, at the start of the season because that means you're going to tire out throughout the season. You know, we work to being our best at the end of the season when, you know, those games actually matter. And, yes, these games do matter now, but, um, you know, right now it's just kind of getting the field, you know, back into the, you know, groove of things. But, um, you know, that with that being said, we're not, you know, we're not going to lay down anything. We're going to go, you know, um, you know, we're going to give them everything we got. So um, we're looking forward to starting the game, game, you know, games on Friday and, uh, you know, seeing where this goes. But uh, I'm excited, and, and I think the rest of the team is excited to see what we, uh, you know, what's in store for us this year. Well, Mike, we appreciate you answering the serious questions. We're going to have a little bit of fun yep. now because we wouldn't be good hosts if we, we didn't have, let you have some fun. So we're going to ask you some rapid-fire oh, questions. Boy. We're going to ask right. rapid-fire questions. One word, one sentence answers, whatever floats your boat. Um, fir- right. First thing we're going to ask you, weird thing about Mike Shawarin that nobody else knows. Jeez. Um, um, I, I can play musical instruments. I play the saxophone and piano. That's, that's a good one. Yeah, we had no idea. Really good. Um, are you going with the same goggles as last year? Or do you have a new prescription? Uh, they are the same goggles. Um, I do have two pairs, but um, you know, it's, it's nothing better than having a little comfort zone in that. And um, you know, I'm going to start off the season with the same ones as last year. Go with what works, right? So yeah, who's who's, yeah. who's the biggest goofball on the team? Oh. Um, you, know, you guys probably wouldn't, you, you know, um, you probably wouldn't realize this, but uh, pretty much the whole pitching staff. But um, if I had to pick one or two, it would probably be either um, A-Rob and uh, Bob. Bobby Ruse, of course. He's, yeah, he's, that was my answer was Bobby Ruse. No one's surprised yeah, there. Bob's if, a funny guy. If you had to cast one actor to play you in a movie, who would it be? Oh, geez. Um Probably Mark Wahlberg. Um, he's a man. I really enjoy him. He does great movies. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just enjoy watching his movies, and I think he's a good actor. Well, if you haven't heard, Valentine's Day is coming up. We'll all be down in Myrtle Beach for yeah. the uh, 
the four games down there so that the Terrapin players won't be able to uh, be with their loved ones necessarily on Valentine's yeah. Day. But you'll have the day off. It'll be after your start against Western Kentucky. So we're going to go with some Valentine's Day-themed questions now. Okay, I'm ready. Only answer if you feel comfortable. First question, most, okay. most, yeah. most romantic thing you've ever done for a woman? Oh, um, most romantic thing. Uh, geez. Um, I guess it would just be the most generic, probably, uh, you know, taking them out to dinner, um, wine in the dino. Um, that, that's probably the most romantic thing. Um, yeah, that's probably the most romantic thing. Conventional, but not bad, not bad. So who's the, who is the biggest flirt on the team and who, who does the best with the ladies? Ooh, biggest flirt. Um, I don't know. There's, there's a few of them. Um, this year we, there's a, there's a lot of us that, uh, have uh, amazing girlfriends, but uh, I would have to say probably A-Rob or, uh, or uh, Racino, actually Racino. He, he, he does well with the ladies um, for the most part. So. And last question, you, yeah. you and your girlfriend for the night, are you more of a wine and kind of cuddle under the covers with a movie type guy, or are you more of a club guy? Uh, personally, I, I'm a more movie guy, uh, with baseball going around a lot, a lot of times, you know, you kind of get tired, but, um, you know, it, it, it all depends on the night. Um, you know, I, I like to have fun sometimes and, uh, you know, I, I don't mind, you know, you know, cuddling up with the movie either. So it, it, it depends on the night. So. <laughs> well, thanks for answering the questions, Mike. Way to not make it awkward. Uh, no Good problem. job, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. If I didn't get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show Thanks and some coming, some really good insight. And of course, best of luck on uh, on Friday morning. A weird start, weird morning time slot for you in the Friday spot uh, against Western Kentucky yeah. on Friday. We wish you all the best. Oh, thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Mike. Yep. So some candid words from Mike Shawarn. You learned a little bit more about him than you might have thought you would have before He's the show started. That, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, and more than one, too, yeah, which, yeah. which is certainly different. Well, that should just about do it for our show tonight. Phil, we want to thank you for coming along and, and, and putting up with all the nonsense tonight, but uh, some good insight from you. Thanks for having me, John. I really appreciate it. Anytime. So that will wrap up our first ever Maryland baseball podcast. We're going to make this a tradition for you, and uh, – Hopefully it works out. We'll be doing this every Sunday night. We're going to shoot for 8 o'clock, but next Sunday we'll be on the drive back up from Myrtle Beach. So we might have to push it back a little bit. But if you missed the podcast, don't worry. We'll, uh, we'll record it and post it on the website tomorrow. So for, for your loved ones who want to listen to the podcast from tonight, you can check it out on our website tomorrow. Post it sometime during the middle of the day. And, of course, you can catch the broadcasts of Maryland Terrapins Baseball live here on our Mixler account. The first game will be Friday, as the man you just heard, Mike Shawarn, will be on the mound against Western Kentucky, and will be with you throughout the weekend as the Terps take on four different very powerful mid-major teams with Canisius and Old Dominion on Saturday, and then Coastal Carolina in the tournament finale on Sunday. Those games will be on the campus of Coastal Carolina in Conway, South Carolina. So we'll be with you then on Friday. We hope you enjoyed our podcast tonight, and we certainly urge you to join us on Friday as the Terps take on Western Kentucky. So for everybody on our Maryland Baseball Podcast, we want to thank Mike Shawarin, John Lewis, and Phil DePays. I'm John Vitas saying have a good week.